Welcome to the GT Reboot. The year of microtransactions culminates in the release of Battlefront 2, rife with loot boxes, unlockable heroes, and Reddit downvotes. Mike Pierce and I discuss this and other stories alongside editor Hunter Wolf, and later, Travis Northup joins me to talk about Destiny 2's next expansion, Curse of Osiris. We're so glad you're here for our show, now let's boot up! Welcome to another episode of the podcast. My name is Joe DeClara. I am joined, as always, by my co-host across the pond, our UK editor abroad, Mike Pierce. Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. How about you, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's lovely to have you on my podcast. I was such a fan of your podcast, I thought, gotta get this guy on my podcast. But I couldn't just bear to stay with you by myself on my podcast so we brought our veteran of the podcast hunter wolf is back on the gt reboot hunter it's he's great been, to have he's you been back. he's been rehired actually officially hey listen <laughs> oh my god how did i forget about that shit <laughs> <laughs> i should have seen that coming a mile away you know i, I saw it coming i was trying was to talk thing. over it so that he wouldn't be able to do it hunter it's great to have you back on yeah thanks for <laughs> yeah. having me i'm really excited yeah, it's great, and uh, we have so much stuff to talk about, so I think we're just going to jump into it, folks. We have uh, some news. EA on Battlefront 2 microtransactions is all the rage right now on the internet. Uh, Battlefront 2 is out this week, but it's already available on EA Access. Uh, some folks have been gathering research on the game's unlockable heroes since it's come out, like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, you're able to unlock these characters through either microtransactions or through grinding out the game. Mm-hmm. And they found originally that it would take roughly 40 hours each to unlock some of these heroes without spending money. EA then posted a response on Reddit, and they were saying things, quote, The intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes, uh, that the cost would be adjusted if need be uh it was all based on data from the beta and Mm -hmm. this was posted on reddit and it very quickly became the most downvoted post on reddit in the site's history or at least one of the most now i believe it it is in the entire history i believe you're right yeah so it eventually got to the top spot in most downvoted in history well done ea although to be no more joking ea did very quickly afterwards adjusted the in-game prices for heroes they reduced the cost by 75 percent so that's a significant cut cost but that was not before the wrath of the internet had been wrought uh unfortunately folks of course as per the internet started sending death threats to ea representatives and developers at dice and uh which is obviously the most correct response to any scenario ever (laughs) just to send death threats to people so gentlemen you two i believe were fans of battlefront one uh i don't know if either Mm -hmm. of you have played battlefront two yet uh, but we do have a review of it up from Josh Devlin. He was a very fond of the game. Uh, what do you guys think of this scenario specifically? Um, man, there's so much to say on this. And it even goes yeah. beyond. It goes like what you just read. There's already been developments on that since today. Mm. 
uh, and some of that is probably just because I'm hours ahead of you guys, and so I've already seen them. Sure. Um, but like, it, it, it is such a disaster. And so let's for let's uh, let me just start let's, let's, here. Let's with, update it. Yeah. Let's well. Let me break down a little bit of what I know. So first of all, you said seventy-five percent discount on the heroes, and that's totally correct. That's still, I think, in play as far as I know. But that's not even like the real issue that people were complaining about. One of the major issues that people were complaining about was the fact that it's pay to win. Sure. And the, I mean, yeah, okay, great. The heroes are easier to get now, and they've they've you know undone their ridiculous excuse or their silly PR speak of giving you a sense of pride and accomplishment, which to the rest of us is really just like, we paid full price for a game, why the fuck don't we get all the content? Don't give me this pride and accomplishment bullshit. Yeah. But, um, like I said, the other issue is that it is still pay to win. You can pay a whole shitload of money and get in-game credits, and I think uh, it's like scrap or something, or parts or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, Right, to upgrade your cards and your abilities. And if you pay that extra money, you can get to a level that is far more powerful than other people in a serious hurry. So it it really is kind of the definition of pay to win even now. And so now what I've what I've been reading today, this I've never heard of this website before, so I'm not necessarily going to take this on uh, as for sure, until some other people start reporting on it. But it's a website called Resetera. Have you, like, Reset? Resetera, yeah. So Resetera, Reset Era or Resetera is the uh, new hub for a lot of NeoGAF's original mod mods. So a lot of people who okay. left NeoGAF went and built Resetera. So Resetera, so far from what I can tell, a really good source. Okay, so... I mean, I, I haven't seen anyone else report on this yet, but I'm imagining that we will since, you know, the day, I mean, San Francisco is where most of the stuff is based and they're probably at work by now. So I would imagine we'll see some posts on it today, but someone did the math at Resetera and they are now saying that to unlock everything in Battlefront uh, <laughs> requires around 4,528 hours <laughs> or the equivalent of $2,100. Perfect. To unlock absolutely everything. And like I said, this is just, this is being reported by Resetter. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but they've got the whole math breakdown and everything. So as far as I can tell, this looks pretty legitimate. Um, and that's just completely absurd and, and inexcusable. And, um, there's going to be a Reddit AMA today as well mm. from Electronic Arts. So that, I would expect, is going to be a complete disaster for EA because no one is going to give them uh, even the time of day. It's just going to be just shit and death threats and oh, horrible, yeah, yeah. horrible questions. Yeah. And like it's just going to be – it'll be a mess. It'll be a total mess. So uh, – oh, and then the last thing – uh, a streamer, a well-known streamer. I can't remember his name. Uh, there's a video of it on Reddit. You can find it. Have you guys heard about this? Mm -hmm. He was playing arcade mode within Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, and he had played it for a certain amount of hours. And he got to the end of a match where, you know, it tabulates your score and you get the credits and everything in accordance with your performance. And this 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 line appeared and it said, 
something like uh, you will receive more credits in three hours. Like you've you've maxed out your credit limit. Oh, you excellent. cannot earn. So there's a credit earning cooldown now. Yep. So like once you, you've played a certain amount and earned That's... a certain amount of stuff, it just caps you. And now you have to wait for the timer to expire. Okay. Like so a freaking so, um, mobile game. Yeah, they've, they've fully exactly. adopted the mobile. Like every format that you can think of in mobile, it's it's there. That's hilarious. Yeah, and the last the, thing that was left was the cooldown, and they covered it. Right. So that's great. Yeah, and that's great that news. Was the, this the is a certified mobile premium game. This is good. That was the first response from people on Reddit was, holy shit, this is a mobile game. That was like the very first thing that people started saying to this. So... Um, I will, well, Hunter, while you're talking, I will go ahead and look up and, and see if I can find who that streamer is so sure, that, so that we've got a reference for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and take it away. Yeah. Well, so what they initially did to kind of address the, the hero, um, issue and the, the pay to win issue was they, so you can buy loot crates in the game, right? And they give you, you know, your star cards, um, which grant you different abilities in combat, you know, gameplay, um, impacting abilities that can, you know, be advantageous against other players. So what they said was, oh, well, um, we're going to fix this by not putting elite star cards um, in these loot crates. But you can still buy loot crates and combine lower leveled star cards to get elite, um, elite star cards. So effectively, they've just put a uh, stop sign on, on this road of um, pay-to-win tragedy, right? Um, you can still put put down a hundred bucks and get your elite cards. You just have to craft them instead of having them handed to you. So, yeah, it's and the other thing you said, Mike, too, which is um, this is a full-priced game. This is a full-priced game with um, characters that provide new gameplay locked behind paywalls effectively and i think that's gross some people said you know there's an 80 dollars version of the game you know and it comes with some you know a couple bonus perks whatever um in the gameplay but someone out there paid 80 bucks for this game expecting the complete package and they still have to fork out money if they don't want to invest all that time into getting everything in the game yeah i i think that the factor of having pay-to-play stuff or not pay-to-play stuff that yeah the pay-to-play stuff that i think is egregious that's just in in itself an ethical dilemma like there's there's a problem with having pay-to-win uh systems in a game like battlefront in a game where you're already paying 60 dollars entry fee right and that's by itself the nomenclature of entry fee is a problem right you should there shouldn't yeah. be that in games as for at least we've been conditioned to believe so but the actual factor of this hero unlock the heroes aren't actually functional right are they just cosmetic or are they actually no, they're, functional they're functional they they're have functional. abilities and they're really powerful in combat yeah so i don't really understand why anyone surprised I, i'm sorry like i i feel for the fact that this is not good and that this is egregious that's the word that people keep throwing around and gross but the fact is this the writing's been on the wall since the beta and and yeah. in general it's been on the wall since we've seen these loot boxes and microtransactions and things 
becoming more and more pervasive in these AAA games. Like if you keep buying the games and you keep spending money on these uh, in-game purchases, you're going to see more of it. They're going to keep pushing the envelope and more power to them doing that. I mean, maybe this game pushes a little far. Uh, This was a bit of a jump in the gradual ascent to mobile on $60 games, right? Maybe this was a little too stark a contrast and now everyone's uh, there's a little whiplash there, but I think that ultimately this was going to happen and yeah, it's the fault of the consumers. If you don't like this, stop paying for the games. Don't go out and send death threats. That's not what stopped people. That's not what made them reduce the costs. They wanted feedback from you anyway. EA said in that statement on Reddit, honestly, I think the statement on Reddit was perfectly fine. That is exactly what I want to hear from them. I want to hear exactly what their motives are and what their intentions are. And then we give them feedback on that. That's great. Don't send death threats. Please don't ever send death threats in anything regarding video games ever. Yeah, that was a big issue with this story. Like that just needs that just needs to stop. Yeah. Yeah, Fuck those guys. We should go kill those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, point taken. I'm kidding, yeah, there's no exactly, but there's no like there's no middle ground of figuring out how to diplomatically and civilly figure this out. And the most civil way to do it is to not give your feed the best way to give your feedback is to not fund it, right? EA will be paying attention to how much you spend on microtransactions and they'll be yeah. very much paying attention to their sales, right? Every sale now is way more lucrative because it is comes attached with the potential for post initial purchases, right? Like this now means every time you spend $60, there's more potential for you to spend even more money. So if they don't see sales on those games, they will really pay attention. And if they don't see sales on microtransactions, they'll pay attention to that as well. They are not blind to any of this. Obviously they're listening on Reddit and all those things, but I mean, the effective way to do this is not to send death threats or even to send nasty tweets to developers that you think may or may not be involved in the high level decisions, right? The, the, like in the company to put these microtransactions in the game. There are ways to handle this, right? I'm, I'm upset by this too. Honestly, I'm not too upset though. I'm just upset that games are getting to this point. But honestly, I didn't know if I was ever going to even buy Battlefront 2 because uh, there was enough talk about this and that I, I didn't want to touch it. And also, the gameplay didn't look very interesting to me. Uh, mm. Although I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I might buy it, but the idea of having to be shoveled with all this, like, oh, you can't earn any more credits, like, I, I don't even want that in my game. We're going to talk about yeah. Shadow of War later. I didn't like just seeing that there was microtransaction activity in yeah. my game i didn't like yeah. seeing that there was this currency that i wasn't messing with if it, 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 the game itself did not suffer from it but there was this little t- stank on the game that just was perpetual and mm. so i don't want that in my star wars game so uh let me just real quick uh, i want to respond to some of that but um the streamer, have you guys heard of someone named Boogie? Or at least maybe that's his first name. I don't know. He's, oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's very popular. Big, yeah, yeah, Boogie. Yeah. Big, oh, you've heard of him? Okay. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, a big on, right. on video game commentary, too, actually. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he's the one whose video is up uh, showing this. And I can send you guys a link if you want to see it, too. Um, 
that's showing the uh, the arcade like cooldown or whatever. And as far as I know, that's only within the arcade uh, what, uh, multiplayer mode. I guess is the word I'm looking for. But it could be elsewhere. I just I just don't know. Um, so I think one of the, one of the things that disappoints me about this game the most is that um, I was really yeah, that a lot of people really were pumped about Battlefield One and about Dice taking over the or excuse me Battlefront taking over the Battlefront franchise because right Dice is well known for great first person shooter experiences and people have been hoping for a Battlefront Three to continue the old series that was done by Pandemic. People have been wanting that for years and years and years. So people were really excited when Dice took it over. You're a very big fan of then, Battlefield games of Dice, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, and I was a huge fan of the old Battlefront series as well, done by Pandemic. I loved Battlefront Two by Pandemic. It was a phenomenal game. Um, and so you know, Battlefront One came out what two, three years ago now, and everyone was really excited about it. It was really cool. And very quickly, people realized that the game was just sort of half baked in that there wasn't enough content. It was just kind of yeah. they just didn't make enough stuff. Like there just wasn't enough there. And there were also some balance issues as well between the heroes and progression and all this other stuff, similar to what's happening now. Um, and so I think everyone was really excited when Battlefront 2 was announced, this, this current Battlefront 2 being announced, because we were kind of promised by EA's own words, like this will be the full game, the full experience, all the content you were hoping for the first time around. So people were really stoked about that. And now that it's here, they've completely ruined it through all of the stuff that we've talked about. And I kind of, I feel a little bit cheated because I really wanted to play this great new updated Star Wars game that's been done by DICE, a developer I love and that I think does a great job with multiplayer first person shooters. I, I really wanted to play that, but now I'm not going to because of all this stuff that's out there. Yeah, nonsense. And yeah, all this yeah, nonsense. And and I think one of the things that irks me about it the most is that from what I can tell from the reviews, from people like Josh, from other websites, and from other people that I've heard who've played it, functionally, the gameplay is actually really good. Like, the graphics are great. It's a really fun game. It's a great experience. People love playing this game. It's just been completely ruined and shit all over by EA's ridiculous, greedy practices. And yeah. so now, I basically, I have to practice what I preach. I, and yeah. I'm not going to buy it because I don't agree with this stuff, even though I really want to play it. Yeah. yeah I, so I, I agree entirely with that sentiment. Uh, I, I do disagree with like saying completely ruined it. I know what you mean, but obviously you said just before the game itself wasn't technically completely ruined, right? right there is right. ways okay, to completely, point. there is ways to completely ruin a game with microtransactions. And apparently this game wasn't, if you want, however, those specific things. And if you also, if you want to be competent in multiplayer, then apparently, yeah, this game has been completely ruined because in order to do that, you have to spend money Uh, or in order to get the most optimal experience in multiplayer, you should be spending money is the message here. And uh, that's unfortunate. It's not itself. The game itself has been ruined, but, I mean, in a way, yeah, I agree. Because like I said before with Shadow of War, I was sort of enjoying Shadow of War. I was a little, um, I was a little sour on the whole 
open world, like old school open world mechanics of it and mm-hmm. the repetitive combat of it. But uh, that was just my initial impression. But the worst part of it was this little lingering feeling of they want my money. Right. And that's not even that. It's not awful for a company to want money. That's exactly what they're made to do. They should want our money. That's what makes them do what they do and uh, spend extra money to do it well. But there's that's that lingering feeling and that does ruin an experience. So in that aspect, I do agree. And of course, with the sentiment of do I buy this game or do I uh, put my money where my mouth is? Yeah, I think I'll probably not be getting this unless I hear otherwise, unless I hear that, look, it really is not a big deal. You should really try out the game. It's a lot of fun. So far, our reviewer, Josh Devlin, is a big fan of the game. Uh, he's, his yeah. review is up right now. Uh, so you could check out his review for further uh, feelings on the game itself. But Hunter, did you want to say anything? I'm sorry. I feel like I wrapped yeah. it up automatically there. Yeah, I mean, um, I think this is just another case of great game, but there's a big greedy publisher who is um, infringing on uh, on a game's development, um, demanding that a game become a service, right, and um, get more money because the games industry um, is struggling with sustainability. You know, it's I was thinking about it today. It's like, what is the difference between film and video games in that both uh, industries require millions of dollars to produce a product um, that they sell to consumers, but movie studios, you don't hear about them going bankrupt when a movie doesn't perform well at the box office, you know? Why is it that when video games... Um, are not do not perform well for whatever reason layoffs studio closures what like what's going on there well it's that is a whole other issue right it it has a lot to do with the fact that uh the video game the business is just very often can be way more expensive and Mm. uh cancellations are way more possible from what I can tell. Although, you know, if you read enough into uh, movie news and uh, that medium, uh, you find uh, similar stories happening all the time. Like movies are delayed sure. all the time. I hear like this myth that movies aren't, de- are never delayed. Why are video games delayed all the time? Like that's not true. Movies are delayed all the time. The last, the last yeah. Jedi was delayed, right? That was supposed to be a summer movie. So it happens all the time. Uh, but there are a lot of big differences. Although I want to backpedal a little to something you said, Hunter, about like publishers. Uh, yeah. There have been discussions of like you know people saying, "Oh, the the publishers are putting this on the developers," and I've been part of that rhetoric. Uh, I've said before, like this just smells and sounds and tastes like publishers putting pressure on the developers. And we've heard recently, uh, we've heard information counter to that uh that more often than not this is always a more often than not this is a developer choice this is a high up developer Mm. choice and design and initiative even and there have been cases where publishers have pushed against something like microtransactions for very good reason right smart people are up there they know what this kind of thing might look like 
I'm sure that all this is not just EA being deaf to what consumers like and dislike. I'm sure they're very much noticing. And there's a very interesting point in that. Like we saw Call of Duty Infinite Warfare last year get a lot of downvotes on YouTube and it was a big story and we made a whole uh, thing about it, right? It was the most downvoted video on YouTube ever because people were sick of the space warfare uh, fiction. But then the game went on to be the highest best-selling game of the year. Although Activision later sandbagged uh, the company, the developer that made it, but that's another story. Anyway, the fact is we don't stick with our word. Like we say we don't want this thing and then we buy it anyway. So the idea, one, that publishers are pushing this more than anyone, it sounds like now this is a falsity. This is not true. And two, the idea that we don't want this might not necessarily be true either. Like I don't want it and I won't buy the game. Mike doesn't want it. He won't buy the game. A lot of people are out there saying, we won't buy the game. Let's downvote this Reddit post and feel cool about it. But then later, oh, silent majority, let's go buy the game because we're really hyped about Star Wars and want to try yeah. this game. And then we'll complain about it in the posts later about how we don't want to spend money on these games. That, yeah. I think, is the real the reality here. That's what most people go through. They go through this rebellious nature prior to release. Then the game comes out, they fold, they get it, and they feel like, oh, you know, I know I said all that stuff, but I won't be the one. You know, there's plenty of other people who won't buy the game. I want to see what it's about, though. And everyone's doing it. It's like when you start a diet and you're like, oh, I'm not going to eat cookies. And then you go to someone's house and their mom's like, oh, Hunter, I made you cookies. And you're like, oh, well, I can have just one, right? And you go back on, you know, in a moment of true conviction to yourself you're like i'm gonna do this diet and commit to it and you know as time goes on it becomes a little harder and those cookies look really really good and smell <laughs> and then you eat the cookies so she keeps making you oh fuck. i missed having you on the <laughs> show hunter <laughs> just for shit it's like true that. it's absolutely a great analogy <laughs> like i think of overwatch's microtransactions because i i poo-pooed blizzard for their loot box system because it preys on uh gambling addiction and whatnot and it does and i didn't buy loot boxes for a year quote i didn't buy loot boxes for a year and then i bought a loot box a bunch of loot boxes when the year anniversary came out because there was some skins that looked really sweet those skins are (laughs) really sweet i haven't bought them again and maybe that's the one cookie and i stick off on one cookie but then maybe next year i buy another another cookie there's always another cookie so, yeah, it's, you know, it depends on where you want to be more to have the fortitude to stick with your guns. Yeah. So I, I want to say two more things about this, if, if you don't mind, Joe. Sure. Um, so first, I, I agree with what you said. I think there's a lot of people who are blowing a lot of smoke and huffing, puffing, huffing and puffing a whole lot and aren't necessarily following it up with action. Uh, in, in fact, maybe they're doing something different and going and buying the game. But I also think there's a whole other uh, demographic, if you want to call it that, of people, which is kids, children who aren't old enough really to go out and buy their own games, but they're going to be gifted this game by parents, uncles, grandparents, whatever. Mm. And 
in defense of those people buying the game, they don't know. They they don't understand what's going on. Like yeah. they don't understand what's happening to the industry. They don't know what microtransactions are. They don't know the damage that it's done to video games. And, and not only that, maybe they don't care. Maybe they do know and they don't care. I don't know. Or maybe both combined. And I, and I think especially with a game like Star Wars, which is so classically popular, you know, all the way down into young children, all the way up to people in their 70s and 80s, um, you're going to have a lot of people buying that game this year that don't know anything about video games and microtransactions yeah, and scary. paywalls and all this other stuff. So that's one thing that really bothers me is that I think almost no matter how much of a stink we make about this, it will probably end up being a successful game anyway, just because of that segment of people. I bet you there's going to be enough copies of star Wars battlefront two purchased by parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles or or friends or whatever that that alone would be enough to prop the game up um and then the the other thing i wanted to say was that we just i think you and i just reported on it last week joe i think uh the studio that made um titanfall respawn respawn they just got gobbled up by ea Oh, oh, what? Sold, were yeah. sold to EA. Gobbled up. Yeah. Just another Gobbled way of saying up. it. Oh, Doesn't man, matter. It's like they're a Thanksgiving meal, guys. Yeah. Well, either way, the point is, like, you know, so last year, Titanfall was this sort of this critical darling. Everyone, like, the critics loved it. Everyone raved about it. But it just didn't sell well. And a lot of that, once again, goes back to it um, when it was when it was uh, released, which was sort of, what was it? It was smashed between like Battlefield and Call of Duty or something. It was between two huge games and it just didn't do well, but that's beside the point. The the point is like, everyone loves that game. People still rave about that game now, about how good it is. And you, I'm sure there are lots of people out there who are now wondering, oh God, what the hell is Titanfall 3 going to look like? Mm-hmm. Is Battlefront 2 uh like a schematic or a blueprint of exactly what we're going to get for the next Titanfall. And I have to say, I, I believe that the next yeah, Titanfall you, is going to look a lot like Battlefront 2. Yeah, if you see a lot of uh, loot crates and a lot of uh, time gates, right, that you can pay past, then uh, you can be sure that, all right, there is some pressure coming from the publishers to add in these microtransactions, and other in-game purchases for sure. We'll we'll uh we'll fight that battle when it comes, right? When, when we well, get right. There. Yeah, we'll yeah. Climb, we'll saying, cross that like, bridge when we get to it. But yeah, saying, I agree. Man, that sucks. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, look, or but Titanfall three is great. I can't. I'd be surprised if there was a Titanfall three. They said there would be. I. That's crazy because it sounded like Titanfall two didn't do very well, uh, especially by looking at just like how. I, it didn't look like it was doing well. So I'd be surprised if it does eventually come out. However, but hey, all you got to do is so. throw in microtransactions and paywalls and the game will be successful. And it'll so be a I hit. mean, like, and it'll be a monster. Right? Like, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see for sure. I think that's a very good point, Mike. Yeah, the, the concept of uh, possibly a little 
sticker on the box that says this game involves microtransactions and loot crates or whatever. And everyone's saying the same thing and it's just got to happen at some point or else uh, it starts to look real bad for the developers and the publishers starts to look like you're trying to avoid letting us know what dirty tricks you're pulling on us. Right. That's not necessarily what's happening now. This is a new thing. These loot crates, but eventually you gotta, you got, you know, you gotta communicate that with your consumer. I think. It would be like the certified organic stickers that you get on shit. Oh, like you don't this. want those. You do want those. You don't want the loot crate stickers on your stuff. Well, yeah, I would like it. I would like one that says like certified bullshit or something on the front of it. <laughs> and then like I would avoid buying that game. The name of this podcast is not certified bullshit. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we'll get there. GameStop's been in a lot of trouble as of late with the rise of digital sales and recently hit the pause button on its new PowerPass program. PowerPass allowed customers access to uh, an unlimited supply of used games for the price of $60 for every six months. So $60, six months of all the used games you could want. GameStop had only announced this last month, and now it's been temporarily halted for unspecified reasons, though Kotaku reported that the company's antiquated computer systems were were not equipped to handle tracking this new system. (laughs) GameStop is trying very, very hard to stay with the times to stay relevant, and I feel for them in trying to do so, but uh, it looks like it's just not working. This does not necessarily mean that the power pass programs going away entirely but yeah it's it's unfortunate to hear when you hear reports from gamestop employees or uh heads whoever it is that's talking to kotaku saying that like our computers are too old we can't stick with the times like it, it fits with the narrative too well so it's a little sad to see guys what do you I don't really have I don't really have much to add to that. I mean, I, I haven't well, been let a me GameStop ask you, customer I, the, in a long the, the time. The GameStop Power Pass was just fresh enough a story that I didn't really sit in it long enough to consider, like, would I do that? Is that worth it? Does oh, that, my gosh. Like, really? Yeah. It's, I was looking it up. It's the same price as um, Gamefly's lowest subscription model. Gamefly, which is the online um, digital games rental service, kind of. Yeah. You, it's like... What Netflix used to be, you get one disc at a time, but you can pay a higher subscription fee to get more discs at a time. Right. Movies. Um, they used to work through Redbox too, didn't they? As well, GameFly, I think. Um, they might have actually. I think so. But yeah, so it's like a really good uh, deal—sixty bucks for six months. That's like, yeah, that would have been my dream as a kid. I totally would have done that in high school, but. Um, that also comes back to the discussion of, you know, used game sales ultimately hurt developers because 0% of that, those dollars go back to the developers. So mm. it's, it's kind of like a it's bittersweet. It's like a good deal that I would, I would love to do as a broke college kid, but can't because I want to support, support the artists. There's also the factor of just what is actually available to you now that we're in this post DLC world. DLC is normally the th- was usually the thing that was countering against you sales, right? If you buy this disc, we promise there will be more value to it later, right? Yeah. Don't sell it back to GameStop. But now we have things like 
microtransactions, which we were just talking about, wherein you're investing time into and money into your game. So do you really want to give your game back when you have these skins and stuff and, and you're spending your life playing these games? And most games now, people, developers are trying to create games that people play all the time. And that's their game, right? Destiny, uh, Overwatch, Dota, all these games, these are like the game, like this is your game. This is the game you play all the time and you mm-hmm. pay money so that you invest into your character that looks very pretty. It's your character. So stick with them, our game. Don't sell the game back and don't subscribe to services where you have to give the game back eventually, right? So does does a system like this actually work in the way games are designed now? That's actually pretty interesting. And uh, it's, I think, a valiant effort. It's, I don't like calling GameStop valiant. I don't love GameStop as a company, but especially for reasons like you said, Hunter, for uh, the fact that they if ultimately are at odds with their goals and their ho- uh, aspirations are at odds with the aspirations and goals of publishers and developers and game creators. So yeah. it just they just don't conflate the two. So... That it's hard for me to root for that when the other team actually makes the freaking games, right? But yeah. obviously, it's I just find it interesting, you know, from a business standpoint, how they try to survive. And I don't think this was the way. It sounds like a great deal, right? But yeah. considering the more minute details of how games are made, how games exist today online and through digital, like I don't see this being an option. Uh, I especially don't see an option when the computers can't keep up with the system and GameStop says we're not doing it anymore. But it was an interesting prospect, to say the least. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it seems to me like GameStop is in a a downward, unstoppable death spiral. Whether, how long it takes, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, but I feel like there, there's just the momentum is too strong at this point and they will eventually go away. Yeah. It's not even like a momentum that was like put on themselves. It's simply just, but yeah, momentum, but just, it's just the nature of the times, right? They are going to be buried by the times eventually. And it's, yeah. it's unfortunate for them, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's yeah. the same thing that happened with newspapers. I mean, print isn't dead, as people like to say, but when everything went online, you know, the industry shifted and the old business model of printed news did not, it it just didn't work anymore. It just wasn't as successful. And that's the same thing that you're seeing with here. The industry, the games industry has changed um, and, and GameStop's GameStop was, you know, uh, a really good idea, I'm sure, at it, the time of its inception, but just doesn't work in today's industry. Yeah. And it's also, it, it is definitely a sign of a death spiral when you see a company clambering with different options, like opening up publishing companies. Publishing, right? and yeah. Creating crazy systems that are, that seem very, very valuable, like $60 for six months of all games you want. Right. Yeah. That's a crazy system when you think about it. And they got into toys and merchandise too as yeah. well. Yeah. Remember when they published that game? It was the uh, Insomniac game. It was that Metroidvania. Salt yeah. Salt yeah. of the Deep. Right. I played a little yeah. bit of that. I went in to go buy it. I felt I was just on a whim. I went into a GameStop. That was the last time I've gone into a GameStop, by the way. Song of the Deep. And every store rack was stacked 
with Song of the Deep merchandise, like toys and like wristbands and like is this like the next Overwatch this game? What it, what is this game you're trying yeah. to sell us? Like is this really the thing, guys? Is this the one you want yeah, to spend I, all this merchandising you, on? I bet you fucking no one bought that merchandise either. I mean I, I reviewed that game actually for games or uh for gaming trend and I liked it, but I probably yeah, bought a shirt what, or like yeah. a toy or something like, yeah what's what the, the fuck? entity what is the identity behind that game that's going to compel kids or adults to buy toys for this game right like it's that yeah, was, was like, no, like charming that, character that jumped out at you like a mario you know yeah it's, no it was just clambering it was clear clambering for like we need to make money how do we make money toys make money make toys for song of the deep like it, it looked ludicrous when i walked into that store yeah. And sadly enough, it was the last time I went into a GameStop, so and it could very well be the last time. I will say, as an entrepreneur, it's like um, it is admirable what GameStop is trying to do. They are trying to adapt and change when things aren't working, and they are unafraid to try some new things. Like we said before, I they don't sit well with me because of um, used games, which I imagine make up the most of their revenue, but um i th- i think it would be i think we could see a completely different brand for gamestop in the future if they are to survive they will look completely different maybe it will be solely as like a, a publishing house kind of thing i don't know but it does what they have shown so far is that they're willing to try some new things and i think that's uh pretty cool for the company so yeah yeah i I think you're you're definitely right about that unlike uh, i was actually instead of the print the print analogy that you talked about earlier i was thinking blockbuster um and the, the the big thing that i remember with blockbuster is that they like i don't know if you guys remember but they did start a netflix service very briefly before they completely went away but it was way too late it was like the definition of too little too late and I think that's the key difference here between Blockbuster and GameStop is that GameStop has seen this coming yeah. for a long time. And they have been trying various things to keep themselves afloat or to grow or to move themselves into another uh, another another profit category or like a you know another money-making model kind of a thing. And yeah. it doesn't seem like any of it's really worked yet, but at least you know they're trying and they have been trying and they're continuing to try whereas like blockbuster just fucking gave it yeah this like pathetic last ditch effort that went absolutely nowhere and guess what i I think there's like two blockbusters in existence there's like one somewhere in remote alaska they still really exist i thought they were bankrupt and they're gone like i saw something recently that there still are like two of them i really think it's like two and they're they in the most like remote places stores. ever. That like, yeah. yeah. They're probably franchises or something. Yeah. And I, I really think one was in like some bumfuck nowhere, Alaska or something. And then one was somewhere else. Like it was just comical. Yeah. That, that, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, Blockbuster was in every city you could think of that had more than 500 people in it. Like there yep. was a Blockbuster there. And yep. they're gone. Going back to GameStop, I I'm I agree. I'm glad that they're trying new things. I will never criticize a company for trying new things. However, I will always criticize those new things, whatever they may be. Right? I, and those things have well so said. far not been very well compelling. Said. Fucking Let's, Joey Dagabonuts drives a hard bargain, man. Yes, God yes. damn. 
I am here with our Destiny aficionado and guy in the tie, tie guy Travis. That's ta Travis Northup. Travis, how's it going, man? It's going all right, man. How you doing? I am doing well. Last time I spoke to you, we talked about some D2, and then mm -hmm. that podcast, I don't know if you noticed, got lost to the ether, as did a couple oh, did other it? ones. Oh, yeah. I had a whole crash. It was a whole thing. I didn't want to tell oh, you until wow. now, until I got you on the podcast, so you could feel better about it, so we can laugh <laughs> oh, about it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. so that, along with a couple other episodes, but I'm glad I got you back on. Now we can talk cool. about Destiny. Destiny is out, obviously, it's been out for several months. Uh, yeah. Me and you are big fans of it, although now we're in post-game era, and uh, mm -hmm. they're in on the internet, I don't know if you've heard, Travis, but there's been controversy uh, beside, about if Destiny 2 does enough to uh, satiate the appetite of the hardcore Destiny fan base that's playing all the time for yeah. the end game, or is it in a stable place where players like casuals like me can jump in every now and then feel competent? Uh, before yeah. we get into this new DLC, how are you feeling as an end game player in Destiny 2? So I am a hardcore Destiny player, but I'm also the type <laughs> of player who once I... Uh, once I beat the content, I like to take a break and move on to new stuff. Sure. So for me, it's been very good because yeah. I feel like Destiny is less grindy now. You're not like playing the same strikes and the same mm. raid over and over and over again to get everything. You know, you play it for like a few weeks when new content comes out. You uh, experience all the new stuff and then you can log off and play some other games. Yeah. And then like, come back to it later. There's so, so many me, other it's games. great. I don't need to play Destiny every day, but there are some people that really, really want to play Destiny every day, and they feel like because this game's less grindy, that's a bad thing. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. I personally. definitely I don't agree. And now that we've established yeah. ourselves as total casuals, I totally agree. This is it's definitely <laughs> much better this way. I like being able to jump on. I haven't finished the raid, technically. I've played every instance of the raid, and I've learned the yeah. raid inside and out, essentially, but... I, it's just always every time I've gone on, it's been with people who eventually someone leaves and, yeah. you know, raid things happen. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've gotten to the point where I enjoy jumping on and doing that. And regularly I'm getting on and doing Nightfall. So that's fun. So I totally yeah. agree. But uh, yeah. nevertheless, we were in this situation. So a lot of people who are uh, getting antsy about playing more Destiny uh, have this next DLC to look forward yeah. to now you I, I played destiny every day for the full the first month it came out and then i played it a little bit more when the pc version came on mm -hmm. and now i only have to wait like two weeks before the dlc comes out the, like that's pretty good in terms of content yeah not bad i'm i'll be ready to come back i'll maybe like try and get a last minute raid run in before the dlc yeah, yeah, comes yeah. out and then i could do that with we'll you man that. That, Let's do that together. That would be fantastic. So we'll get yeah. that going. We'll get the stream. But before we do that, we got to talk about Osiris and this next mm -hmm. DLC. So yep. you've played Osiris, and uh, you're here to talk yeah. about some of the uh, things you've seen and some of the things mm -hmm. that you've done. Uh, yep. Today, they also spoke on live stream, Bungie, that is, and they talked about some of the story and what we're going to be experiencing. And this one so mm -hmm. far, from what I've seen, is pretty Vex-heavy. And we're going to it be is. visiting a place called the Time Gardens or something like that. The Infinite Forest. The Infinite Forest Time Gardens. The same close. thing. Very close. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going there. <laughs> and it is involving time and time travel to some extent. It is. And mm -hmm. uh, you are at liberty to talk about some of that. So I am. Why don't you tell, yeah, about, so, tell so, us about it? Yeah. Yeah, so today I can talk about the story overall without getting into any spoilers. Basically, it takes place on Mercury, which is kind of the 
headquarters of the Vex, the uh, robots uh, in in Destiny Universe. And the Vex, for you know, since Destiny One, if you're a big lore person like I am, they have been all about creating, basically manipulating time so that all of existence is just Vex from the past to the future. So not just dominating from now going forward, but they actually want to go back and make Vex basically the seed of which the entire all of reality grows from. Yeah. Um, and they decided to stage Mercury as their place to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the golden age, Mercury was this nice, uh, like basically garden planet and they have transformed it over years into uh, this thing called the infinite forest, which is their version of the matrix is how I would describe it. Sure. Okay. It's basically a, it's basically a simulated reality. Yeah. Or simulated reality where they can run any sort of simulation that they want so that they can try to predict what's going to happen next and manipulate time to their ends. So the question now, uh, Travis, is are we in a VEX simulation right now? Is that what's yeah, happening? Yeah, I think we probably are. Very yeah. possible. Anyway, continue. <laughs> a, a lot of people have actually speculated that uh, all of Destiny takes place in a simulation. However, uh, those people are most likely wrong because it is canon that the VEX cannot simulate a guardian's light. It's the one unknown variable that they can't control, which is why they fear the guardians so much because it's, it's something mm-hmm. that they can't really manipulate very well. Right. Because the light um, is the good and the, the darkness yeah. is all the vex and all the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, of course. So the, the, the caveat being that once the traveler spoiler alert for people who haven't beaten destiny two, mm-hmm. but uh, when, when the traveler wakes up at the end of destiny two, uh, this is a signal to the Vex that they can basically begin the next stage of their plan. And uh, they start working on Mercury. Akora of the Vanguard learns about this, and she sends your guardian to Mercury to investigate. Um, now, for many years, Osiris, who uh, players will know from Trials of Osiris, mm-hmm. the hardcore PvP mode mm-hmm. in Destiny 1, uh, he's been around in Destiny lore for years, but now he is taking front spotlight center stage as kind of the main protagonist who you're working with uh, throughout the course of the expansion. Um, He's a cool dude, really badass. He can control time and travels through alternate timelines. And he's basically a, a dope uh, time traveling guardian. Mm, mm. Uh, He's also a middle Eastern character, which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, Bungie was very, very uh, loud and proud about their, diversity uh, attempt to yeah be more diverse and that sort of thing sure so, more power to uh, him. yeah yeah and, and the the voice actor that does him i'm forgetting his name but he's a very well-known um, actor um and he does a really good job in it uh but basically uh you get to go into the infinite forest and you're trying to more or less search for the one version of time where guardians don't get destroyed by the vex because the vex have engineered this master plan where no matter what happens they end up taking over all of reality and so you're trying to basically find the one path where guardians don't all die um and it's really cool that basically the story has you jumping through different gates that lead to different timelines you get to go see this dark future where all of the galaxy has just been ripped and scraped and is now just all vex and robot Always, the yeah. sun is dark yeah. and like <laughs> The dark sun, jeez. Yeah, it's eaten away. It's basically just like a husk of a of a lump. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it's a really really interesting concept, and uh, I I found the so there's good and bad. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, the good is that um, 
the campaign has a really good premise and it has really cool moments like the ending of it, which I can't really get into, but it's got a really cool, awesome climax at the end. Um, it's got uh, really good character development and you get to spend a lot of time with um, Osiris's ghost, which mm. is awesome. She's like a really, she's the first female ghost in the game aside from uh, some stuff in the uh, grimoire from destiny one, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't really count. And uh, you spend a lot of in- time interacting directly with that character. Who's uh, voiced by an actress from firefly, another one in a destiny game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, th- that's really cool. Um, the downside is that, the campaign is quite short and I don't know if I'm allowed to go into it, but it reuses content from other parts of the DLC. Oh, repurposing all, areas or things like that. Yeah. It's all new. It's not like it reuses anything in D2. Yeah. But it reuses campaign missions that are also another activity that I can't really sure, get sure, too much okay. into. You started to basic, see some same stuff. Yeah, it's it's very kind of like you could tell that they really didn't have enough to go on in the campaign, and so they stuck some stuff in there to kind of pad it out. Sure, sure. It's a little it's a little longer than it needs to be. Uh, well, I mean, I want short, it to be longer, but, but a little they, longer than it's artificially it to be. long. Sure, yeah. I understand. I <laughs> yeah. understand. Yeah. So yeah, you get what I mean. Um, but yeah, other other than that, you know, um, the story is pretty fun, and it has probably one of the best boss fights at the end of it that destiny has ever had or Bungie has ever had aside from the raid boss fights. It's a really cool kind of final encounter. So, um, yeah, I, I really liked that part of it. Um, mm. but again, the issue with destiny three months later expansions, people who played the dark below and house of wolves will remember the issue is these things come out really quickly and they tend to be pretty slim on content. And I feel like this is going to have, if people were mad about destiny two's content, which I think it had a lot, mm they're going to be pretty disappointed about this content because you can beat pretty much everything in this expansion in a day. Well, I'd be surprised. I mean, I just, I was so, I was very satisfied with destiny two's launch. I thought it was great. I love the single player. Well, not the single player, but the campaign, the red war campaign that came with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only complaint I would have about that one is maybe some of the uh, middle area kind of drops in uh, excitement, but then the very end, while it's, excellent and a fantastic climax that last boss fight kind of feels like a joke so it's terrible it's cool yeah, yeah it's that, cool that's to my hear. point is all all of uh bungie's boss fights in single player modes non not counting raid have been really bad i mean halo 2 has that really awkward boss fight at the end mm, mm. halo 3 has a weird really awkward boss fight at the end a yeah lot of yeah the, the, the boss, boss fights are just fights. yeah they're rough it's funny yeah. that des- that bungie went on to create a game based on boss fights you know with strikes yeah. and raids because the yeah. halo anytime those came up it was like oh this they're they're going for this again yeah but yeah I, that's well if you played here. destiny one you'll recall that uh, not halo one destiny one had um no good boss fights when it launched the strikes were bullet sponges that you had to hide and shoot at. And like, basically you had to cheese them. So I think it took, I think it took destiny a really long time to get good at boss fights. And it's really cool to see some of their raid skills 
going to work in the campaign because yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what they've needed. Yeah. For generally, a while, so. seeing a lot more raid mechanics, just actual more intrinsic uh, mechanics and systems mm-hmm. getting into uh, your regular uh, events and like public events or missions yep. uh, or adventures, as they were called. You know, just yeah. seeing all those come up. But now we're talking Destiny Two uh, as in mm-hmm. general, which is great, and I'm glad to have yeah. more of an excuse to play more Destiny Two. Yeah. So and and uh, aside from the campaign, which is about I think nine missions, but there's pretty much three important story missions. Sure. That's what it comes down to, which is why it's kind of a, a bummer that it's um, feels a little padded, so yeah. kind of yeah a little padded. Um, but aside from that, you get two strikes, you get uh, two multiplayer maps, crucible maps, three if you're on PlayStation because they have one mm, uh, exclusive map again. Yeah. Um, yeah, they always got it. And then, uh, you also get, uh, one, uh, kind of patrol area on Mercury that you can go to and just, uh, you know, do lost sectors and that sort of thing. And, uh, there's also a new public event on Mercury that is probably the most intricate public event they've ever done. It's got some really cool mechanics that I can't go into again, but if you trigger a heroic, it basically becomes an entire, separate like encounter it's really cool so um i I had really fun a lot of fun doing that um but yeah i'll be able to talk more about patrols and the investment system and and all that stuff next week um the other thing is that you get a new thing which is kind of the uh ominous raid content that they alluded to when they announced the dlc Mm -hmm. we now know that that is a thing called raid layers which uh, basically is a mini expansion upon an existing raid. So Leviathan, you're going to go back to that ship, except for instead of going up the, to the top through those those fans and going up, mm-hmm, you're going to mm-hmm. go under it into the underbelly, and there's going to be entirely new uh, encounters, puzzles, and then a completely different final boss fight, and you're also able to earn unique armor, unique weapons, uh, new loot. So it's basically a small version of a raid. My guess will probably be it'll probably only have one boss fight and then up until then it'll be small little encounters and puzzles. Sure, yeah, simple simple, so. you know, steps in the raid. Yeah, yeah, this was very interesting. We were just talking about this before <laughs> and uh I think that this is a great way for raids to go, especially with the Leviathan raid. The way that it was built was obvious was it seems like it was built obviously with the intent of adding uh bits into it later later because it was built in a way where you could actually mix up the order in which you did mm-hmm. each encounter because it's kind of this labyrinth of uh, encounters and you can go at them in different orders. So yeah. that's pretty cool that they are going this route. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that the other it, thing that's, yeah, that's pretty awesome is that uh, you haven't beaten the raid yet. Have you beaten the final boss Callus? Yeah, I've seen it getting beat. Like I've beaten, I haven't gone through the entire raid. I was part of a party that did, beat the raid and i was okay. there at the end so i know what happened okay. so spoilers so you know for ends. the yeah. raid yeah yeah spoilers for the raid but at the end you find out that callus was actually a robot and then he's got a whole bunch of robots and he was just basically messing with you the whole time i am kind of interested by the prospect of okay the raid ended on that cliffhanger are we now going to get to see act two of the story and then when uh the third expansion comes out in the spring are we going to see the final act and is this going to be like a full you know, story, a full a narrative arc where we kind of learn about Callus and what's going on with him. So if they take advantage of that, it could be this really cool thing where the raid actually has a relevant narrative to it. Um, and, you know, a lot of some people don't like Leviathan raid um, just because it doesn't have that same 
feel of like King's Fall where you're going deeper into the ship or the Vault of Glass where you're going down into the, the depths. Yeah, um, yeah. But There's just no imagine. like arc and like climax of getting yeah. deeper into the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 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 what if imagine if Vault of Glass had this model where Vault of Glass came out and then you got to go back to it two more times as part of these raid lairs and mm. do other things there. Imagine if you could do that with King's Fall. I think that the concept is a really good idea and it's a way for them to not put too much pressure on themselves to come out with half-assed raids. Cause look at Crota's end, you know, that's the raid that they just pushed out in three months. It was not as not up to the same level as the other raids. And I think these little mini events are a better use of their time and it, it kind of gives us a more predictable model or we kind of know what to expect now. So when we play the first raid, we'll be thinking like, Ooh, I wonder what rate, you know, uh, the raid layer number one is going to be like, what will raid layer two number be like? And we kind of speculate there. I think that that is really cool. Um, yeah, I think so, that, yeah, I, I, I think, think it's a great system. I, I definitely agree that there is something of a cost to having uh, this layout of a raid uh, in mm-hmm. the terms of like this narrative feel to it that you're uh, digging deeper into the raid and there's this kind of climax at the end that is ramped up over time. Uh, I definitely felt that in this raid, but I don't think that that's why the raid suffered. I had issues with the raids mechanically uh, at the oh, very yeah, beginning. Yeah. <laughs> once I got once I got my feet on it, it was a little better, but obviously yeah. the issue with uh, the geometry of the flooring and like the callus, like Dark World, whatever that was, that was a whole nightmare. Anyway, I think this yeah. is great for the same reasons you're saying. Uh, I think that uh, giving Bungie more time to mess around with a raid, uh, learn the raids ins and outs outside of their own development, right? That's something that Bungie can benefit from probably uh this is obviously just a player speaking but i mean one of the issues with destiny one was when it was first designed and uh conceived the problem is that destiny developers weren't playing thousands of hours of destiny like most people were you know like the 1000 1000 plus hour players know things about destiny that the developers never did uh, at that yeah. point. So now something like this, when they can let the raid sit and balance it out and then work with it more and add more stuff, yeah. I think that makes, that'll probably make for some really interesting things. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about yeah. this before we started recording, but uh, it's just being able to reuse those areas. Yeah. And, you know, we get to go back to the Leviathan. They don't, it's not just a one and done. Okay. We went to the Leviathan. We beat that raid on to the next thing. They get to kind of reuse that area and find new encounters to put in there. And I, I feel like that's a good use of the real estate. And then, you know, while they're coming out with these little raid layers and working on these smaller expansions coming out in the fall and the spring, that put, that gives them way more time to come out with whatever next September is going to bring, you know, their mm. big annual release where we get a whole completely different raid yeah. that we get to work on that and stuff. Because I feel like in destiny one, they were always just a little bit behind, right? They had trouble keeping up and they got Crota's end out the door, but it was super short story, really crummy raid. Mm. And then for house of wolves, they couldn't even do a raid. They were just like, all right, we're going to do a horde mode. Yeah. And we, we, we canceled the raid that yeah. was originally yeah. supposed to be a part of that expansion. Um, but clearly it got, it got chopped up. So I think they're getting better at working on like 
a a workflow and release schedule that they can manage you know yeah i definitely so, think so we'll see uh, the Time only tell. the only thing i'm concerned about with the concept of annual annualized raids is the mm-hmm. like even as they're adding these different layers and different encounters or whatever they may be you know for all we know by dlc pack two or three they have new ideas for the raids that aren't encounter based but eventually i feel like we might get tired of shooting Callus's face over and oh, over, you know? So, uh, like, I'd like I'm, to believe... I'm, I'm fairly certain, based on the way the menu is set up, that mm-hmm. the Destiny 2 releasing September is going to be main raid. Yeah. Fall is going to be uh, raid layer number one, and then spring is going to be raid layer number two, and then they're going to move on to a different raid. Sure. And I think for next year's raid, when it comes out in September or around that window, I think it'll just repeat. You know, they'll have whatever let's pretend it's a fallen based raid fallen here and then they'll do a, a layer in the fall and a layer in the spring that would so be i think that, that would be better even yeah. still like at some point like the tires i hope we still find a way to enjoy this raid before we get tired yeah. of facing callus every single time yeah, yeah but totally. i mean still i now that i'm more comfortable with the raid i'm actually enjoying it more when i do jump on and help out buddies on it but i've again i've never run through the raid entirely so i've never got we'll do it man thing. i can get through it in like an hour hour maybe 90 that's what i hear you guys are all crazy getting through it in an hour you know i remember doing oryx and thinking it was an impossible raid it couldn't be done and then a month or two later people had figured out like heroic mode i I joined the raid late obviously but like they figured out heroic mode with like using tethers and all sorts of really creative ways it was wild so yeah yeah, uh, i believe you but you guys are all crazy (laughs) that you're capable of it but anyway, uh, so we'll have more uh, Destiny to talk about. Uh, do you want to leave us with any other things before we move on with the rest of the podcast? Yeah, uh, just uh, next week I'll be able to talk a little bit more about public areas and investment systems. And then the week after that I'll be able to talk about Crucible and most of everything else. And then the uh, the following week the game will come out. Yeah, so, yeah. Just, I'm excited so. getting ready to get back mm-hmm. on Destiny. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll be back. We'll have you back on next week. We'll talk some more D2. And uh, hopefully I'll get back on, do some Nightfalls or something. Yeah, man. Let's play together. That sounds good, man. All right. I will catch you soon, Travis. Thanks for coming on. Okay. All right, Joe, take it away. Let's talk about building PCs. Let's talk about building PCs. I am a big fan of this topic because it was an aspect of gaming that I never knew about. And I love those stories of cultural things in video games that I don't know about and then I find out later. Mike, you are a seasoned PC veteran. I I like to say out of all of us, you are the one. And but you are so because you've been playing PC you've been playing PC games all your life from what I can gather. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually have a console until the original Xbox, which came out when I was like 17 i don't know i don't know what year it was something like that so pc is your upbringing hunter and i are new to the pc scene i built my first pc last year and i'm still using the same rig and i love it hunter you just built a pc just built a pc and we're very excited for you welcome to the master race thank you yeah man glad to be here fine at long last i get the hype yeah it's very (laughs) cool to just have any game available to you besides console exclusive and then being able to, especially if you have a good rig, have the best version of that game. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, you've been playing some games on that. We'll talk about the games later, but I wanted to talk about just building the PC, the actual experience. 
I think Mike yeah. and I have talked about it before because I I had to vent about my PC building experience <laughs> last time because it was a whole traumatizing experience. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to hear your PC building, uh, your 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 story behind building your PC. So tell us about how you built it, who helped you out, maybe if anyone, and like what yeah, what what, t- what type of rig you have going on. Yeah. So I knew I wanted a rig for both. Uh, high-end PC gaming and video editing. And you can't just uh, make a rig for PC gaming, I discovered, and not consider um, the components that's necessary for video editing editing as well. For example, if you do video editing, you want you know a specific am- amount of RAM to start, as an example. So um, my whole build cost about $1,700. I-, I was really, really broke after it. And now I have to work at Amazon. Um, so <laughs> the consequence, but it was worth it. Worth it. So uh, worth it. I love that Amazon's like this punishment employer. Like, oh, I, I'm broke and now I'm punishing myself by working at Amazon. Like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the only place I can work. Like, it's yeah. funny because I wonder I if Hunter to. ordered any of the PC components via Amazon. So then so, like, yeah, it's like you want these, you have to pay the price. It's kind of like yes. a weird, it's like a weird mafia situation going on. I am I'm selling a month of my life to Amazon so that I can play games that look nice. Yes, good. <laughs> yeah. So I bought all the parts um, at once. I took probably a month. I read um, a lot of different sites online. I used Tom'sHardware.com as a reference for a lot of instruction I used. Um, PC part picker. Um, yes. PC part picker. Yeah, yeah. I love PC part picker. Oh my gosh. It was a godsend. Like mm-hmm. it tells, because the website tells you specifically if a part is not compatible with something else. So um, I had zero compatibility issues. All my parts fit together and worked, which was nice. Took me three hours to build the computer. It's a mid tower. And um, sits on my desk, really nice. I put in a, a liquid cooler, so it's extra quiet. Um, not the kind of liquid cooler that you have to change the liquid in, though. This one's just good. Um, so wait, hold on. Explain that because the the cooling system in my computer that's what caused the biggest like really? nightmare for me. What what do you have? You don't have fans or like a heat sink? So I do have um, some. S- Stock fans. Yeah. Um, I think I had to take out one or two to make all the components fit. Sure. Um, at my uh, graphics card, I got the GTX 1080. Not the TI, though. Not the... There's like the 1080, 1080 and then the yeah. 1080 I, T. Which the TI is really new, yeah. Um, I've t- In my mind, once you get up to that echelon of gaming, the differences between the 1080 and the TI just weren't enough to me to warrant paying the extra hundred bucks or whatever it was. So, um, so yeah, that has three fans on it, the graphics card. Um, but yeah, I have a, a liquid cooling system hooked up. It's connected to the central processing unit. Um, I don't just call that the CPU. Yes. The CPU. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to learn about heat sinks. Or not heat sinks, um, thermal paste, sorry. Thermal paste. Oh, yeah. Love thermal paste. Yes. Yeah. I was um I bought some thermal paste, but then the what what was it? The CPU or the um cooling system already had thermal paste applied onto 
onto it. So I didn't end up needing it, but if you guys need thermal paste, let me know. I could use some thermal paste. This is funny because I had, I'll let you tell your story more, but like the thermal paste was a whole thing for me. Like I really? learned like, oh, there's like this goo shit. So if anyone doesn't know what thermal <laughs> paste is, uh, the CPU is the little like brick, this tiny little chip that is metal and looks like the cool little chip that you see in action movies that uh, we're three. trading to the Chinese or whatever. And yeah. so that is the like the brain of the computer, as it were. And so a lot of processing power comes from the chip. And yep. it needs to be cooled because it gets really hot. So one way people do it is they glue a fan onto it, and, but they don't glue it on. The thermal paste is like they they get this fan that cools the actual CPU. And in order to keep the fan connected and for the heat to be pulled out of the CPU, they have thermal paste, which goes in between the CPU and the fan attachment. So right. it's this goo that you drop onto like unless you have it already applied like you did yeah i had to take this thermal paste which i spent some money on because apparently there's different qualities of thermal paste you don't want shitty thermal paste yeah there's like some that has like silver in it which sounded like a joke like you get gold thermal paste or silver thermal paste but this is a real thing and i had this type and you have to gob on some paste onto your cpu and you have to take this giant tower of copper that's like made to extract all of the heat and you have to like gently put it onto the cpu make sure there's no bubbles you have to be very careful and it's this giant fucking thing that you're handling and you're supposed to be really gentle with it and i was just having a nightmare of trying to balance this giant brass tower oh my gosh yeah onto this tiny thing that costs a lot of money and it's like this whole stressful experience and you want to make sure that the thermal paste is good, but you can't really tell because you can't like you put the, you apply it on and the thermal paste can't have any bubbles in it. Apparently like that's a problem bubbles. So like it needs to spread perfectly thin without any like spaces in between or else it's ruined. And so you don't want to burn your CPU. So you want to check it, but you can't check it because then you have to reapply the thermal paste. Right. So you just put it on and you're like, all right, hope it works. The help it works. <laughs> hope that's the best you got. Well, and you just got to monitor your CPU temperature then. I have. And I've been monitoring mine. And I, I had a whole stressful three weeks of wondering if I fucked up the thermal paste. But so far, <laughs> my CPU has been fine. So I've been all right. But anyway, Hunter, continue your story post yeah. thermal paste. Yeah. So um, I have a, I have two. Uh, storage devices. I use a hard drive for storing all of my games, and I have an SSD, which is what the operating system runs off of. Right. I did that intentionally so I can turn my computer on and it's ready to go in like 10 to 15 seconds, which is really nice. Mm. Um, I Yeah, so it took three hours to put everything in the case, but then the really hard part was installing Windows 10. It sucked because my like I said to you guys before, my my BIOS was not updated, I guess, but I didn't know that. So it took six hours of troubleshooting, trying to boot my computer, and then um, begrudgingly, I'd have to um, do a hard uh, a hard power off mm. to because uh, it, it would like freeze when you're installing Windows. The Windows sign would rotate or whatever, and then it would freeze after like three rotations, and um, you couldn't shut it off because there was no input. So I had to. It, it was a mess, but we figured it out, updated the BIOS, computer started running, 
is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't believe that I didn't have as much trouble with Windows. I remember telling you before that I had it on a flash drive because I, I, but like the, the process of getting it onto the computer was a process because I realized, oh, I can't access the internet because I don't have Windows. Right. So I have to actually download Windows. I had bought it digitally and I hadn't prepared for it. And all my friends obviously berated me like, you're an idiot. You need to download Windows <laughs> first. So I had to yeah. download Windows. I downloaded it incorrectly. It wasn't like an extractable file or something or other. So that was a process, but. I mean, that heatsink was the biggest issue for me. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's it's just funny that PC is this, like, ethereal world of problems that you have to diagnose yourself. Like, you yeah. know, there's, there's so much shit that you don't know. And, like, once there's a problem, you're like, all right, it could be one of 75,000 things. And yeah. I have to figure out which one it is. I remember. The worst, though. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just remember one scenario early on in my PC year where I hit a reboot cycle, like Windows would boot up and then it would start rebooting and I would boot into safe mode. It would be fine. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought maybe it was the power supply supply. Maybe like the hard drive was busted. The SSD drive was busted. I got a new SSD, like a, a cheap, small SSD to test on, downloaded Windows onto that. And it kept doing the reboot cycle, so I knew it wasn't the SSD. Eventually, I just found out through crazy amounts of Reddit threads, like just one small in, innocuous post on a Reddit thread, right? A rep repost that said, try taking out one of the RAM sticks. Like, no one had upvoted it. It wasn't, like, the top-voted, like, solution to the problem yeah. I was searching. It was three pages in. But just some random person was like, try taking one of the RAM sticks out. And lo and behold, that was it. I took it out. Wow, the problem went man. away entirely. So it's Have you just, put it back in? Well, I put it back in. It didn't work. And so it was a faulty RAM stick. I got a new one. Uh, oh. It was warranted. Like it, I went through 24 hours of trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with it. Thinking, That's should good. I send it to Micro Center so they could just charge me $200 to bench it and then say they don't know what it is? Or do I just keep fuddling with it and sure enough i just kept futzing with my computer and yeah read it you know it. i experienced that too um post build i have the issue right now where my computer doesn't go into sleep mode i like to call it coma mode because when it goes into sleep it doesn't wake up <laughs> so, and i haven't figured out what the solution to that is yet besides um shutting i i've changed the power settings so that the display does not turn off in after it's for like 300 minutes or something insane because I didn't want to worry about that. Um, but I would like to eventually figure out why. All right. So I'm going to be, I'm going to act as Reddit right now. Did you check the thermal paste? Maybe it's windows. You need a new windows. Did you take out one of the Ram sticks? This yeah. is, this is how Reddit works. They're just going to suggest yeah. 20 different things that have nothing to do with each other. So yeah. So enjoy. what do you do when it's, when it's in coma mode, what do you do to wake it back up? I have to do the worst thing ever. I have to shut it off. I have to restart its heart, man. I don't know. Well, what? Are, but what do you try to wake it up? Like, do you do you just move your mouse? Do you hit the keys? Like, what are? The yeah, I move my mouse. I hit the keys. Um, I tried pressing the power button on my computer to see if that would do anything. I don't have, have a reset button on your computer. I don't have a reset button. Oh, um, I have a reset button. But I only have mine... a 1070, so I can't be better. Than you. My uh, like my last computer would wake up from sleep uh like if i just hit a key on the keyboard or if i like wave the mouse around my yeah. current one will only wake up if i hit the power button okay that's interesting 
Well, yeah. neither of those work for me. I, <laughs> but I, honestly, I haven't like looked into trying to troubleshoot it yet. So, oh, well, the, it sounds like I mean, it, I know this isn't this isn't exactly like the most uh, uh, confidence-inducing thing to say to either of you, but it sounds like you've actually had relatively good experiences with them yes. so far because. I'll tell you what the worst thing is, is when you get a part brand new from a manufacturer or a shipper or whatever, and it's faulty and you don't know that. And you go through a ridiculous amount of shit trying to figure out what it is. And then it just turns out that, no, the part's just bad and it it came bad. And it usually takes like a week or two weeks to figure that out. Like That was was what happened with my ram stick. That was a faulty ram stick. Yeah, yeah. But that's not so bad. Like I've had it where it's the power supply. Oh. Right. Oh. And the power supply sucks because <laughs> like, so I, I ordered one from EVGA and it took me quite a while to figure out that the power supply was causing this problem. I had two problems that were going on. One, I kept getting what's called coil wine. So there's coils inside your power supply, uh, basically for, for heat, kind of like the heat sink on your CPU, there's copper coils. And, um, Sometimes they create this really high-pitched whiny noise, and it's not always a bad thing in terms of, like, the functionality, but it's annoying as fuck. And so I uh, I had this other problem where my computer would only start intermittently and unpredictably when I hit the power button. And this was with the same computer. Wait, and so sometimes you would hit it and it just wouldn't do anything? So what would happen was I would I would hit it and it might start everything fine. Another time I would hit the power button and there would be this flash of activity like the electrical circuit was completed and everything got flooded with electricity. All the fans started whirring, lights popped on and then half second later everything just instantly shut down. So a whole bunch of things were going through my mind like oh god shit's overheating. Oh god I fried my motherboard. Oh god. Yeah. Like, oh, I have a ground fault problem. So it's like detecting a ground fault and it's just shutting itself down immediately. There's like a million things going wrong. And um, finally, I figured out it was it was just the, the power supply. But in the meantime, the only thing I could do to get my computer started reliably was take out the little cord that attaches to the pins on your motherboard for the power switch. Yeah. I had to take that out and jump start it with a screwdriver with a flat end screwdriver. How yeah. did you, I would have given up, man. Every time because there's those two pins like that little plug when you hit the power button, it completes yeah. the circuit between right. those two. So if you take that out, you can get a flat head screwdriver, stick it in between those two pins Kids, do and not, because it do touches not stick both screw the head drivers. <laughs> well, actually yeah. I think um I had to do that the first time I powered it on. My roommate said that's like what you're supposed to do. So we, yeah, we got a screwdriver, um, and I think that was exactly what it was. Um, but I like I, I didn't have to do that after, and I still don't understand why he had me do that the first time. But yeah, I never heard of anyone doing that the first time on purpose. Yeah, I don't know what I, that was about. But he knows more than me, so. Yeah, but I felt like a teenager all over again with like my shit car that I drove in high school where like the doors wouldn't work and like I had all these <laughs> janky solutions to get things working because I was too poor to replace and fix right, my car yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That's what I felt you, like. You, you, start, like, you learn to it. know your car I'm, in a way. That, I am like, fucking jump starting my computer with a fucking screwdriver. <laughs> That's rogue, man. My, my favorite uh, PC malfunctioning story. 
it's not a story per se, but I was uh, borrowing a PC before I built this one. Uh, it was a composite of a bunch of old parts my friends had, and they were kind enough to put it together for me so I could start getting on PC. And it was not very good, but it worked and it was on PC. And so I had access to indie games. But while I was borrowing it, I was very nervous because it was my friend's PC, technically. And at some point while doing it, I had done something. Like, I had opened up the PC for some reason, and I forget. And I had closed it back up. And when I turned it on, it started making this sound. Like, it would whir up. It would make this, like, and it would start speeding up. It was very loud and very wow. concerning. And it was n- not enough for me to... It was so loud that I couldn't ignore it. So I would work like a couple nights after I tried to figure out what it was, where the sound was coming from. And I couldn't figure it out. But then it just kept getting louder and louder every day until it was really grotesque sounding. And I was like, I need to figure out what I did with my friend's PC. I broke this thing. What do I do? And I'm looking around. I decided it was probably coming from the power supply because there was a fan in there. And so I tried to like swap that out i borrowed another power supply and it was still making the sound i like this means i had installed a new power supply i took out the the graphics card and i booted in safe mode and tried that like anything that had a fan i was trying to figure out because i felt like it was whirring up like a fan and something was gonna bust and i was freaking out over this thing finally i just opened it and i was moving it and i saw some wires jingle a little bit and i looked at the heat sink it was Obviously, a sink has a fan on it. And I looked at the fan, and there was a tiny little wire, one of those nubs, was touching the fan, and it was just hitting the fan. And it was so (laughs) innocuous and didn't cause anything. I put the thing over to the side. It was not even a problem. And it was freaking me out the entire week. It was a whole thing. So... The there, uh, I totally agree with Hunter. By the way, the PC parts picker is the way to go. Yes. Um, but there's another website too for um, shout out. Just design like designing kind of your computer. Um, if you don't know, you know, because there's a million manufacturers of motherboards and 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 RAM and CPU. Well, no, there's really only two CPU manufacturers. Um, but uh, there's a million different companies out there. Tons of different chipsets and parts and everything. And sometimes even if you know what performance level you want to go for, it's a little bit daunting and hard to actually pick out like, okay, of these 200 fucking motherboards that fit like the performance and the dimensions that I'm going for, how the hell do I narrow it down? And um, there's a great website. It's just, uh, I've got it pulled up here. What the hell? It's called Logical Increments. And... um, this guy actually has made a big chart that's color coded sort of from green at the, the, like the very top or no, it's actually purple and it's like a heat chart basically. So coolest at the top is the lowest performance, but also the cheapest and like the extreme red at the bottom is the highest performance and the most expensive. And he does, he lists out like every part that he recommends for those things and uh, he has links to, to all the stuff and prices. And that's a great way for you if you have a budget in mind and uh, you just don't want to go through all the bullshit of like sifting through 200 different types of motherboards. Get on there, look at your price point, And then if you want, you can swap some things in and out. Be like, you know what? No, I'm going to go for a little bit higher video card or whatever. But that is a really easy, simplified way to design your stuff. And I've done one or two off of there, and they're always great. 
So logical increments is a great way to go if anyone's listening and is curious. Yeah. That and PC parts picker, you're you're PC set. Parts picker, very good. Yeah. Get and your would, parts at Newegg.com. That's that's probably one of the best places to buy. Yeah, that's where I got parts. the majority of mine. Um, unless you're in the UK and then you can't really get it from Newegg. Ooh. But um, yeah, but uh, Amazon's not bad. Nope. Um, uh, what was it? Well, the other thing I would say there's a there's a guy on YouTube, Carrie Holtzman, and uh, I think I sent Hunter one of his videos. And he does amazing walkthrough from the very beginning, all your parts on the table to the very end. And you can you can go from no skill at yeah. all, no understanding, no skill, no nothing, and a shitload of parts in a pile to a completed computer pretty flawlessly and pretty easily in two to three hours. And he does a great job explaining how to do everything, but not just how. He also explains why and then like how to do it safely. And he has some really unique... Uh, like methods and techniques that you wouldn't think of yourself either. Like Joe, you were saying you were struggling with sort of like balancing, what did you call it? Like the copper the tower of say, death yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. For like real. The tower. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he has some really interesting sort of methods and ideas for doing it that you, that wouldn't occur That's what to I you. Need. Like yeah. if you didn't watch it. I was, so, I watched a new egg video, like this guy who was put, putting you through the paces of how to put a PC again. It was very helpful, but it felt like uh, Ikea. Like there there came up that one step yeah, yeah. where it was the heat sink. And then it was also something with the motherboard. A step came up where he's like, and now you just do this and just do this. Be careful about this. And I was just <laughs> yep. like, wait, wait, what? Because this doesn't make sense. How are you? What do you mean just do this? Yeah. Yeah. The instruction manuals that are like, oh, it's three steps. It's super easy. Yeah. And you see the first one, it's like, take the item out of the box. You're like, okay, yeah, I got yeah. that. And then the second one, it's like, insert item into the computer and you're like oh that's fucking helpful yeah and then and the third one is like power computer on and you're like yeah. all right there's at least there's some <laughs> steps in there that like you're not telling me about yeah I, yeah it's but yeah that guy with I, I like hearing about techniques and how to balance your heat sink or whatever techniques yeah. he's talking about that's definitely well, necessary he's super good he's that's super pretty good. good like that is literally how i built i think my first computer without without anyone's help my first two i kind of did with some help and then i literally just watched his thing and went through the whole video and built it all awesome. without messing anything up so yeah, it's it's right. great let's talk about video games we were playing hunter we talked about before we prefaced this with microtransactions discussion you've been playing shadow of war yes uh, i have middle earth game how are you finding this game yeah so i went went into it with pretty limited knowledge of lord of the rings i've seen all the movies but everybody talked about the really cool gameplay mechanics so i gave it a shot um you hadn't I, played the first one then yeah i have not played the first one um but that was to my detriment i noticed this game definitely feels like an immediate follow-up to shadow of mordor yeah um that was the name of the first one right yes yeah yeah we, we've i had still this haven't figured those two out so yeah like whatever <laughs> but it's really really good um i really like its approach to dying in it's an action game so when you die in combat um it has meaning because of the games it's called the nemesis system which is basically um the enemies you're fighting are orcs and the orcs have a hierarchy and when you die um, the orc who kills you moves up the hierarchy and success in battle um, 
is uh, hinges on being able to manipulate your troops in different ways. So it's um, yeah, it's really thoughtful um, and just kind of a lot of fun. I've been I played just a little bit of this game, and I was uh, I played through a good amount of Shadow of Mordor, and I liked the Nemesis system a lot. And it was funny playing Shadow of War. I think I played it wrong. Like I started jumping right into hunting down orcs once I got the first initial oh, yeah. re- required story missions in, mm-hmm. and I think I was playing a little too fast for like the more challenging stuff i should have probably played a couple more story missions but while i was playing them and hunting down orcs and i kept getting killed by them i was remembering to myself like what did i exactly love about shadow of mordor what was it because i'm not finding it right now because i'm finding that the combat was right now that for shadow of war i found that the combat was very repetitive like you know yeah, it is. you keep hitting x hit x hit x and then every now and then hit y hit x hit x hit x hit y sometimes and that i was not finding compelling in uh a world where now i play really really intricate games like PUBG well, and overwatch and mario and zelda and all this other stuff so uh i think i was also not playing right because i was playing a little beyond my level yeah, but again, like it's an open world game, you're supposed to play however you want, whatever, all that conceit. But yeah, it was a rough initial experience for me. I was gonna say that was um, my same experience playing Assassin's Creed Origins recently. Yeah, the combat is fun, and it's really fun. It's best in the series, in my opinion. Read my review. Yeah, <laughs> but I noticed that after you know sinking 30 hours into it just regular enemy encounters did get really tedious and that's the same with shadow of war really the highlights of shadow of war are when you try to take down captains and in and these are enemies who have special um, abilities that you have to account for and special weaknesses that you have to account for so some enemies might be weak to stealth and you can get a instant stealth kill but it's like really tricky and others might be weak to beasts so you have to find and tame a beast and then take that with you into battle and um there's a lot of variety in those orcs so those are always entertaining but at this point i'm near the end i've i have probably 40 hours into it right now and uh yeah those those orc encounters just regular combat it's really boring now i just try to like run past everything Okay, yeah, I, I'll I may give the game another shot. Uh, I don't think so though, because I have so many other games. I currently game. trying to decide. I was playing through uh, Wolfenstein: uh, The New Order, the first game, yeah. and I was enjoying it. But I I don't know if I want to keep playing the shooter right now, actually, because I've been playing a lot of PUBG leading up to this. So I'm actually feeling uh, going back to some of the RPGs that I've left. Uh, in the dust uh, I was thinking her I've played some of Horizon New Dawn I played a lot of Persona 5 and never finished it and I mm. regret that deeply because that's a hard game to jump back into and then I had started my first run of Near Automata and mm. that game you kind of have to run through multiple times from what I hear yeah so I was enjoying that and I haven't decided which of those games I'm going to jump back into uh, there's also the game that that Mike appoints for you to play as well that you're gonna right. Have to we fit still in. haven't gotten the appointed game yet, so we gotta yeah. get to that. Yeah. And then, but the, that I have course, a good one for you. 
That's good. That's good. But I do. We do have this backlog now. It's getting. It's getting scary, guys. I don't know how you guys are feeling about it, but I feel the pressure of like game of the year talk coming up. Like yeah. I don't care for like ranking the games or whatever. Everyone knows that. But I mean, I I do want to have played all the games and know what this year offered. That like I may be glancing over because I just played Mario and I'm very high on Mario and I might say this is my game of the year. But then I played uh, PUBG again and Breath of the Wild. I'm like, oh, these games were actually far better experience for me even though i love mario and yeah. then there's other games i haven't played so i want to be able to get those out of the way for sure uh but then again i have to play mike's game next and i'm also currently uh at a serious juncture with this game opus magnum i don't think either of you guys have heard about this game but this is, is this the one you posted a brief video of on twitter it's a puzzle game where yeah, yeah. you take these spheres and uh, you're creating like atoms, essentially. It's like a game of alchemy, but it's like this two-dimensional puzzle game that is not a lot of fun to describe. I won't spend too much time trying to do it. You just check out my Twitter account, Joey Dagabonuts, and you'll see <laughs> all these gifts of these weird machines that are moving spheres around in very intricate ways. And you basically command the spheres which way to go by uh working with this little instruction uh sequencer so basically you have to give little instructions for these machines to like say there's an arm that can grab a sphere and it's two-dimensional remember so you move it two blocks up or two blocks down by turning or by pushing forward because it's like a piston arm or you can turn the item and you combine spheres with other spheres to make little interlocking molecule looking sphere things and you're supposed to be building these things that eventually result in this molecule uh type shape and then you deposit that into this area on this grid and it is insanely satisfying if, mm -hmm. if any of you are interested in weird puzzle games that are uh just ultimately very satisfying once you've completed them uh, yeah. this is a great game for that there are multiple solutions there's various like infinite number of solutions for each puzzle actually it's not necessarily a puzzle game by the standard uh definition uh it is basically you you need to create this result by using these tools so it's a lot of fun it's also a terrible time waster i'm spending a lot of time building these puzzles instead of actually getting to these games i'm supposed to be cranking through for my game of the year Although this could be a contender, who knows? But uh, yeah, Opus true. Magnum, great game from Zachtronics. Apparently, Zachtronics is a company that's made several of these games, and they're apparently very good. Mm. This one is too. So I suggest it to anyone who's a big fan of puzzle games. Uh, but Mike, you have been playing, once again, our favorite game from Mike Pierce's catalog, Total War Warhammer 2. God, I sound like such a fucking boring individual, you know, because all I ever play is like three games. I mean, that's standard nowadays, right? Like we, we I get wish to I a had game that where game. that's our game and then we play it all the time. Like I've been playing PUBG constantly since it come well, out, it's come out. So, I mean, I will take a break uh, on it once I'm done with this current playthrough and then I'll and then I'll I want to switch to the new Colossus Wolfenstein, the, the new Colossus. Um but uh, I don't know. I mean, I I wanted to play Battlefront, but we've already discussed how that's a no go. Yeah. And I want I want to play Shadow of War as well, but I feel like I can't really do that either for the same reasons that I shouldn't be playing Battlefront. So 
uh, those are really like two of the games I was most excited about this year, and I'm not going to play them. So I'm yeah, really well, kind of pissed off about here's, that. Here's the thing. I think there's still value in getting the games and not buying microtransactions. The only problem is the risk of you buying a microtransaction is great once you've bought the game. Like I said, I'm going to buy Overwatch and I'm never going to spend money on microtransactions. Lo and behold, uh, one year I'm, later, the anniversary comes out and I wanted those skins. You know, but, I'm not worried about that. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't maybe, have a problem with that. I've well, never bought a single microtransaction ever. No mobile game, no console game. Well, good for you. That's that's something you should stick to. Then you'll be like a champion later. You'll get like yeah. a little. We'll give you a little plaque, a little certificate, yes. of like attendance. You know. Yeah. I mean, and I, after like every couple years, you know, like how they give out YouTube awards and like the the medal they use changes. You know, you can do the plaque in a different medal to yes. like boost my ego. Exactly. That's yeah. the plan. Good. But yeah, I, I think I, there's there's value in getting the game and not buying microtransactions. You know, you support the game saying we want sure. more of this game, but we don't want the microtransactions. They'll get the message. They see that. But I think that, you know, as far as general public goes, yeah, there's a problem because most people will buy the game and say they're not going to get uh, spend extra money on it, and they will. Yeah, full disclosure, yeah. I got Shadow of War free with my graphics card. <laughs> It came with a GeForce experience. You got uh, Shadow of War? Shadow of War. Oh, okay. Oh, did I, I thought you said Shadow of War 3. I, maybe I meant I Oh, free, 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 for free. Oh, yeah, free. I didn't understand it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did want to mention the microtransactions are in that game pretty... They're not necessary. And um, But if you want the best like gear in the game, because there's a loot system, not loot crates, but like you get gear throughout the game that you can armor yourself with um to get the best ones you definitely should invest in microtransactions so i'm just going on the grind i'm not worried about the microtransactions but it is pretty pretty heavy-handed there i the game uses oh see that just pisses me off i think that heavy-handed meaning like they they advertise heavily on it well so the game has a currency system called Mirian, I think it is. And you don't get to use Mirian for like anything in, in the game, really. I mean, there early on, you can upgrade your armor for like 15 Mirian, 25 Mirian, whatever. But right now, I'm not kidding you. I have like 55,000 Mirian because Mirian is the currency that you use to invest in the game's like loot well actually yeah they do have loot chests um mm. they're called war chests i think so yeah, yeah there are loot boxes and those yes, there boxes are loot boxes are, yeah loot boxes in shadow yeah. war yeah and um those loot boxes contain the best gear so they, i've spent all this time running around trying to collect all this dropped mirian that i see i got from enemies but because it's like OCD. You're, it's like playing a collectathon. you see it you gotta like pick it up gotta go pick it up yep. but then i don't have like there, I don't have anything in the single player game I can use it on. So, right. So you so, can buy. You can. You have. Uh, you've recruited a lot of this Mirian stuff, right? So you could just buy loot chests, and they won't cost you anything besides this in-game currency. Right? Yes. But you're choosing not to. Right now, what I did hear was that um, I'm about at the final act of the game, and I read an article that said the final act of Shadow of War um, is basically 
all devised to encourage players to purchase microtransactions. Um, it focuses almost exclusively on the the combat systems in the game, which require um, the best gear. So it's right. like this whole. So I'm anticipating that I will have to use um, Mirian eventually to get this gear, but I don't. I'm just collecting it right now since it doesn't have any purpose in the game. Forty hours in. Oh, see, that just annoys me. I definitely I don't think I'm going to get that game. Damn it. That sucks. I'm sorry. It's good, too. Oh. Like, the side quests in it are all really good. Um, Cutscenes are really good. Uh, Platforming is really good. I know. I love the first one. I really did. Like, I mean, I definitely ran into some of the same problems with the combat getting a little mundane and a little bit uh, repetitive. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really liked the first game. It was really fun. It, it really kind of surprised me, actually, how fun it was. And the Nemesis system, as we've talked about, is fucking brilliant. It's just incredible. It's... Um, the, my biggest gripe, I think, with the first one was just how sometimes I would randomly run into a boss without meaning to because yeah. they would spawn in random areas and I would be trying to do something completely different and I'd get stuck in combat with, like, 20 guys. But a lot of the time, the bosses, at least in the first one, looked like normal troops you just wouldn't like until you, you couldn't tell what they were unless you were in that like spirit vision thing that you have mm-hmm. and so sometimes you just be in combat and then all of a sudden you'd get in that little cutscene where it would be like you know i don't know joey the short or some shit like the orc that hates you and uh whatever and then he'd yeah. get all pissy with you and then you'd be stuck with fighting a boss and 30 guys around you and i would usually die well, yeah, that happened but, to me. I was playing a couple times where I end up in fights with three captains because yeah, right. you fight one and then you get his health almost down below. You're ready for the killing blow. Yep. But then another orc captain ambushes you. He's like, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> so then you're running from these two orcs to try and like get re- restock ammo and you run into a third captain who you didn't know was there because you were fighting just one guy. Yeah, it's sometimes it definitely seems like it just deliberately adds insult to injury. Like yeah. you're already, you're already getting screwed and it's like, Oh wait, let's just screw you over again. Here you go. Oh, and let's do it a third time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 the orcs were definitely the downfall for me in shadow of war. Maybe I'll go back, but I just, I spent too much time trying to fight these initial orcs that were way over overpowered compared to where I was at. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe I just didn't give the game a fair chance. But honestly, I'm just tired of that system of open world, and I'm ready to just experience new things. Sure. But we'll we'll get there when we do. All right, so I think we're going to call it a day there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, my name is Joe DeClaro. You can find out all that I write about and all the things I do by following me on Twitter, at Joey Dagabonitz. Uh, Hunter Wolf is a fantastic writer as well. He wrote a review for Assassin's Creed Origins. And uh, Hunter, are you working on anything else currently? Uh, no, not right now. Okay. But he is definitely going to be working on something soon. And he can be found uh, Twitter handle. Wolf at Hunter. At Hunter at underscore Wolf with an E. Yes, sir. Gold okay. star for Mike. All right. There you go. Mike does it. And Mike whatever you're you know on <laughs> my yeah no mine mike, doesn't matter mike is on twitter of course and he is at <laughs> grumpy gamer that's grumpy with two r's 
Uh, and Grrr. though I've been advocating for how ungrumpy you are normally and how wonderful uh, an experience you are on Twitter because you're very gregarious and very nice on Twitter and always telling people about how great it is. But recently, me and you have been at odds with the Battlefront uh, narrative right now. So we're a little grumpier this week, Mike and I, but we'll, we'll be much happier. Yeah, I, was, I, I did. I definitely I tiptoed into the realm of grumpiness a little bit this week, but it That's was good. just like... I just dipped my feet into the shallow end. It wasn't it, I, like I didn't do a you know a a, a dive. You have right to. Into it's like your, it's, it's your obligatory like serving of grumpiness per month so that you can maintain the name. Yeah. and then, and then right. get back to like being nice. Cookie. Normally, he tries to avoid the cookies, and he saw the cookie of grumpiness laying out, and he just nibbled Different. at. Different. Disagree. But he's, he doesn't You're want fired. To, to eat cookies anymore. Yeah, I've been on a grumpy cookie diet for a while. All right. <laughs> What the fuck? Ingenious. I thank you, gentlemen, so much for coming <laughs> on with me this week. And uh, I will speak to you again soon. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me as a, as a guest on your show again. You're, you're so welcome. Hunter, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, it, it wasn't recording. Okay, here we go. All right, give me three, two, one. Hunter, you, your turn this time. Yes! Okay. <laughs> do you want to do the three, two, one? And I'll do the... <laughs> or <laughs> the other. You know? You, you'd say three, two, one. Sharon is caring. What? 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 Sharon, there, what? There's, like a, there's like a nursery rhyme for this or something? Yeah, sharing <laughs> what is caring. What are you saying? Say, oh, Hunter, we're doing three, two, we're one doing one the clap. sharing is caring one for sure. Whatever, three, two, one, clap. Three, two, one. Okay. Did you like that? Uh, perfect. Okay. Good. Am I fired? Right. You're on fire. Yes. We're saving that oh, for the my end. God. <laughs>